0: The StarSport podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years.
1: Close your eyes and
0: And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham County, Cork All Ireland champions, for
1: the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan of the Southern Star, and I'm joined as always by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we get into things, I'd like to give our listeners just a gentle reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose Credit Union, choose local, choose community. Now, our main guest on this week's podcast is the now three-time world rowing champion, Fintan McCarthy, who caught up with Kieran following his exploits alongside Paulo Donovan for Team Ireland at the World Rowing Championships in Belgrade. Finton gives us some great insight into the confidence the pair have on the water, how their approach has had to change year on year. And he looks forward to Paris 2024 as well. So, all that to look forward to on the podcast. But before we hear from him, Kieran, let's run through some other West Cork sporting stories from this week. And first up, we'll look ahead to some huge football games in store at the weekend. Probably the best place to start is in the Premier Senior Football Championship. We have Clankillty taking on Nemo in Bandon at 5 p.m. on Saturday, and Castlehaven against Ballancolic in, or sorry, yeah, against in Enniskine on Sunday at 4 p.m. Big games for both teams, Kieran.
0: Yeah, football fever this weekend. We did the hurling the weekend just gone, but the focus is all on the football this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Like you said, two huge games for Clankillty and Castlehaven. Look at Clankillty first. That's a tough one on Saturday. They're taking on the reigning county champions Nemo in their quarterfinal in Bandon, 5pm, throwing their um, huge game for Clan. I've liked to look at Clan um, so far this year. Sean White is still an injury doubt. He missed the last game. He's a hamstring injury. I think it's 50-50 whether he makes it or not for, for Saturday. And if he makes it, brilliant. It's a huge, huge boost for, for Clannacilty. But if but if he's missing, it it, it does take away one of Clannacilty's best players and one of their, their strongest assets. So hopefully Sean is on the main this week and we might see him and some guys on, on Saturday evening. But Nemo or Nemo. I know we're taking Nemo out of the city. We're bringing him down to Bend and bringing him down to West Cork. But it's still going to be a very tough game for for Clan of Looking at their 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 group form, they beat Valleys, they drew with, and Kerry Rangers in a game that's probably best forgotten, the six points a, a, a piece game. And then while Clan lost to Castlehaven last time out, I think it was by only only two points. That was a really good football game, and they really went toe to toe with a Castlehaven team that has been semi finalists for, for the last couple of years. So that's a good indicator that this Clan team has got what it takes. Where I'd worry, Dylan, is their bench. Their bench doesn't seem to be as strong as, let's say, the other teams. But Clannacilty have some some top-class footballers all the way through from Mark White in goal. You have Thomas Clancy, Morris, Shenley, Liam O'Donovan back is, is, is a huge asset. Young Derek Goff up front is, is doing quite well too. So Clannacilty have some really good players. So they have what it takes to cause a shock against Nemo. But then again, this is a Nemo team. They know what it takes to win games. They're not county cha- champions for 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 no reason. Paul Kerrigan has won this championship ten times. Like, that's incredible. Like what it's a insane, isn't it? It's it's nuts. Like the record that, that Kerrigan has, and they just have, like I listed off a couple of the key um, clan players there. But Nemo have match winners all over the pitch as well. It could be a really really close game, hoping for for a clan win. But Nemo will start his favourites, and it's easy to see why. And then we're looking at the other quarter final on, on Sunday evening, four o'clock and in the in Castlehaven against Ballincolleague. This is a tricky game for Castlehaven. They'll go in as favorites here, but this Colleague team is coming off the back of a of a really good win against Aero Aero Ogan in the, in their in their last game. And they won't fear Castlehaven and they'd be quite confident of causing an upset. So this is a again a, a tricky tie for. Castle Haven, but going back to match winners, you, Brian Hurley, Michael Hurley, Mark Collins, Damien Cahillan, Conor Cahillan, Jack Cahillan, who's been in a match against, um, been in a match against Kilty. So Haven have the players who've been there, done that, and I think their experience will see them through. And if Haven do get through, it's the the small matter of St. Finbars in the county semi final for the fourth year in a row. So that's one to that whet, whet the appetite, but they've got to get there first.
1: Obviously they've got to get there first. Um now it's a good thing I'm not part of the Castle Haven backroom team because I'm already thinking about that potential semi-final. And if they do get through, will that actually I know the players won't want to be thinking about it, but will that the the fact that it is the fourth year in a row and they have a chance to get one over um kind of their rivals at this stage, will that kind of add to their add fuel to the fire this coming
0: weekend as well, do you think? I think like this. This Castlehaven team, like I said, it's well used to being at the business end of the competition, and whether it's finalists three years ago, semi-finalists the last couple of years, so they do want to get to the last four, and it's, they 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 will want to test themselves against the bars again. The bars have got the upper hand of them the last couple of times, but James McCarthy will know that Balin will be uh, it will be such such a challenge this weekend because Castlehaven will be the favourites, and okay, um. Castlehaven impressed when they beat Clan the last day out. But before that, they weren't really pulling up trees. They weren't really setting the world on fire. So Castlehaven um, know they need to find form, but maybe they're trying to peak at the right time. There was no point shooting the lights out in the group stage. It's now, it's the next couple of weeks, quarters, semis, final. That's when a team wants to find their stride and hit form. So Castlehaven will hope that they're building towards something. Maybe their performance against Clan the last round was the... The first sign that we're seeing Castlehaven moving towards the form that we expected them They'd Brian Hurley starting again after his, his injury problems in, in the last couple of weeks. So that, that was a big plus. And like I mentioned earlier, when you have the likes of, of, of Michael Hurley and Jack Cahillan and you have you have those class players dotted all over the field, it really gives Castlehaven a chance of, of going deep into this competition. But first, they need to get over a Ballin colleague team that has – Quality of players dotted throughout that pitch as well. So I think if if Haven well, will Haven need to get to get over this this hurdle on on Sunday before they can look forward, they have the players to do it. And, and I do think Castlehaven will will get through to another semi final against the Bears.
1: And just on both Castlehaven and Clon as well, before I move on, both of them kind of seem to play. A lot better when they were facing against each other and so like against nemo rangers and against balancolic those are two like really good teams as we've said do you think that almost plays into clans hands and plays into havens hands that their teams that they're going to have to come out and play football against they're going to have to um it's kind of almost a slightly different game than against um carrie rangers or valleys in the previous kind of in the group stage
0: yeah, you, you look looking at that that Clan and, and Nemo game on on, um, on on Saturday. Like, look at this Clan team over the last couple of years. They have such a, a good defense, as in like they're the, the likes of like your Morris Chenleys, your, your your Thomas Clancy's, your your Mark White and Goal, your Dan Peets. Like they have really they have a really good solid platform. I think what Klan have missed the last couple of years is is probably scoring forwards at at the other end. The last Deroche who moved back to Angell took. Last season, and he was key when Clan got to the county final back in in 2021. So Clan had that ber- that very solid base, and what they need is just to, those players to get the scores. They got 114 against Castlehaven, which which was a good return. They probably have to hit similar figures um, against Nemo to, to get the better of Nemo on Saturday. So how the game would pan out, it'll be, be very interesting. But like you made a good point. Look at the Carby Rangers and Clan game; that was six points apiece. And then we'd Haven and Clan in a winner-take-all derby. That Mini really thought, Jesus, this could be a tight game as well. And I think it was 116 to 114. So, like, that was a very open, free scoring game. It's not to say the game's going to be like that this weekend, but it, it did show when, when both teams open up their shoulders and kind of went for it that they have the players to get the scores. And, and they, they are two good football teams as well. So, it'll be interesting to see the tactics involved um in um in, in both games, especially with Clan going in as the underdogs and Haven going, going in as the as as the favourites in their respective quarterfinals and how that'll impact both teams' approaches.
1: Lots to look forward to this weekend. And we'll move on now to senior A, Kieran. And you said before this is one of the most competitive grades out there. Nooses Town are into a quarter final against Cantark. And we'll chat a little bit about their hurling exploits later, but how do you think they'll get on this weekend?
0: Uh, the, the Newstown story is just a great story. Like they um did a great one there against Killer in the, the hurling quarterfinal the weekend. So they're through there to a county semi-final in the hurling, and they're one game away from getting to county semi-final in the in, in football, and both are at senior A level. So it's just a credit and a testament to to what Tim Buckley, the Newstown football manager, and Chair Wilson, the Newstown hurling manager, are, are doing up there. It's just it is it's phenomenal because. When you look at the structure of the the last couple of years of this new kind of split season, like that, the club window it, it's quite condensed and it's so hard for dual clubs to to go deep into both competitions at the same time because you're out week in week out. If you look at the group stages there in the footballing hurling, Kessel, uh, New Sorry Newstone are in action six out of the seven weekends. Now we're into the knockout stages. The hurlers last weekend a lot of those same players are going to play with the footballers this weekend, and that's on in Sunday in Coachford, when they take on Cantorque. It's going to be a a, a tricky tie. We saw Cantorque inside of Nodon Van Ross's group in the, in the group stage of this competition, and that was a really competitive group, and Cantorque did really well to get out of that, so this is a tricky tie for Noosestown, but once they stay free of injuries, and once they can use the momentum from the hurdlers, I wouldn't be surprised to see Noosestown footballers get to a, a senior A final as well, which would be huge for the club, and then almost at the opposite end of the spectrum, there is a massive game Dylan in Brittany on Sunday. It's a relegation playoff between Ireland Rovers and Fermoy. And that throws in at 3 p.m. This is a huge, huge game for Ireland. They're only relegated from Premier Senior two seasons ago. They struggled at senior A last year, their first year down at the grade. And I was thinking, okay, they've kind of they've stopped the rot in one sense and they didn't, they weren't relegated again. And I was expecting Ireland to maybe regroup and build again and go go again this year and get out get out of the group. But it it's it's been the opposite. Like they struggled in a in a group that also contained Donies and Noosa town as well as Bishopstown. They lost all their three games and the end result is they're now fighting to avoid relegation again. And it'll be a huge blow if Ireland lost their their senior status. Um it's, a, like I said, massive game. They need to win this game. If they suffer second relegation in, in three seasons, that, that's a body blow for the club. It really is. And it's going to send down into the Premier Intermediate ranks for next year. They need to halt the slide. And, and that needs to start this weekend because they need to put structures in place just to make sure that this club can regroup and that the team can become competitive at, at Senior A and, and find their feet and hopefully start pointing in the right direction again. But a huge, huge game for Ireland.
1: Yeah, and if they were to lose this game, like it's it's quite hard to come back from that as well. Like it's not as if the um is a premier intermediate is below, like that's not necessarily an easy grade to get out of either, is it?
0: That's exactly it. like you're going down into the grade dinner where the likes of the Benchy Blues and the Castletown Bears are there. Like it's a it's a again, it's a really competitive grade and it, it's a hard one to get out of. So that's why I think it's so important for Ireland that they really do need to preserve their their, their um. Their senior status this weekend, for that would allow them to do is just almost stop for a second, pause, reset, and put a plan in place for next season to say, okay, lads, we can't let this happen again. Because it can't be fun for the players to be involved in relegation scraps year after year after year after year. Like that must be draining after a while. Like, like if you look at Donnie's, I like what Donnie's have done over the last couple of years. They, they've built, they've got a couple of wins under their belt at senior A. Now they're straight through to County Senior A semi-final, they've used this new um this new county championship structure to their favour and there's momentum behind the club again. They, um, they they got promotion from the county league earlier this year as well. So Donny's are a great example of how you can use this new structure to, to to your advantage and build momentum. That's why I think it's important for Ireland like I said earlier and I, I know I'm repeating myself just to win this game win this game in Briny on on, on 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 Sunday. And if they do that just just over the winter put it put in place a plan that can get this team moving forward again
1: absolutely and speaking of the premier intermediate as well bantry blues they were in the final last year weren't they and this year they have a quarter final against nemo rangers this weekend that's on sunday in um ennis at two o'clock so that's another huge game for a west cork club this weekend
0: it is uh, if, if we know that the the Bentry were obviously in the county final last year, they want to get back there again. This is going to be a tough game against Nemo Rangers, but I'm looking at Bentry. They have momentum behind them. They top their group. They're unbeaten so far. Hopefully, they'll have Rui Dean back in action this weekend. He's their Cork senior. He missed the, the draw against McCroom last time out. So if Bentry have a have all their players available, I think they'll win this game, and I think they'll get through to the to the county semi final. But like I said, Dylan, that experience of last year is, is crucial. But you know what it takes to get to a county final and hopefully they can do it again. And I think they'll take a step towards that this weekend. Yeah, fingers
1: crossed. Now there's plenty of games on this weekend. We unfortunately won't have time to go through them all, but I'm sure we will be speaking about all the results on the podcast next week. We're going to move on just now to the hurling, which happened at the weekend. And in the Senior A Hurling Championship, we, we mentioned Newcestown earlier, Briefly, Kieran, they beat Inescara 119 to 210. And we had Luke Mead on earlier and uh, this year on the podcast to talk about how important their presence in the championship is for West Cork and for Newsostown as well, obviously. And they've been rewarded with a semi final in Parkee Creeve in a couple of weeks' time.
0: Yeah, they're going to take on Carrie Tubal on Saturday, September. September 30 at 4 p.m. in Parky Queens, so it's back up to the the city for 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 Newcastown. and this was a, a really good second half performance against Killer last weekend. The teams were tied at the break, but then Newcestown got the job done in the second half. Edwin Keneally was the star of the show. One eight, he got seven from place balls, including six frees, you three points from from Jack Mead as well. So a really really good second half performance from Newcestown, and they are now in the last four of the. Of the championship and looking at the other side of, of the draw you've bright rovers against blarney they're all kind of really proud hurling strongholds and look at Newstone in there too flying the carberry flag in a in the county semi-final and like i said about the footballers earlier dylan it's all about momentum if Newstone can keep that momentum and crucially keep fellas fit stay clear of injuries they have what it takes to to get to the county final here and that, that would be an incredible achievement for Lucistown to be going strong in, in both grades so that was a huge win for Stone, um last weekend and this fairy tale this story it's, it's not over yet
1: yeah I think once you get to a semi-final it's going it's almost anyone's um, anyone's championship to win at that stage so hopefully we'll be celebrating a semi-final win in a couple of weeks time was good fortunes for one West Cork club, but it was heartbreak for Britain in the Premier Junior Championship, Kieran, as they lost out on penalties
0: to Glen Rovers. Um, we've uh, obviously the match report and reaction in today's Southern Star, and Britain boss Jamie Wall kind of describes it as a sickener, and it and it really is what a cruel way to bow out of the. Of the championships, so Kilbritton's game against um, Glen Rovers on Sunday in Ovens it went all the way to extra time. After extra time, teams were, were still tied. It was twenty four points to Kill Britain, one twenty one to Glen Rovers. So we went to the the dreaded penalty shoot out there, and it was there Ben Heffernan, the the Glen goalkeeper, he stopped three of um of Kilbritton's penalties, and Glen Rovers won that shoot out three 0 and Heffernan actually got the winning. Penalty himself, so just a cruel way for Kilbritton to bow out because they've been there or thereabouts in this Premier Junior hurling championship the last the last couple of years. They were finalists not not too long ago. They've always got to the knockout stages in the it's four years in a row, but they just haven't managed to get over the line in terms of of win this title. So it's a it's it's a big blow to Kilbritton to be out at, at this stage of the championship. But we still do have one West Cork team left, Dylan. Barry Row were straight through to the to the semi final, and they discovered the weekend that they're going to be playing Aaron's Own in their county premier junior hurling championship semi final, and that is on on Saturday, September 30th in Carrigaline at 5 p.m. So we have the high flying Barry Row um, waving the Kerry hurling flag there. So we'll probably chat about that more in next week's podcast, and as well as it being a a weekend to forget for Kilbritton, it certainly was for the Bandon hurlers too. They suffered their second relegation in three years. They last their relegation playoff against them, um, against Carrigaline 121 to 2.9, and it means that um that they've dropped down a level that the Bandon hurlers will be playing intermediate A hurling next year, and, and that's very disappointing for the for the club. But when we're looking at this game against Carragher line the weekend. They were 110 to no score down before they actually got their their first score on the board. And that's that's just not good enough. In a game like yeah. a relegation playoff, you need to bring it. You you need to be at the pitch of the game from, from the very start. I know they lost Rob Long. so one of their kind of uh, talismanic players at the at the start. He was missing before um, before a, a, a ball was poked. And that, that obviously was a blow, but it just wasn't good enough for Benden on the day. And they're... Their punishment for want of a better word is they're now down intermediate A next year. So hopefully they can regroup there and just kind of just just stop the slide and try and because Benton's a big town. Bandon's a really big town and it's a it's a proud hurling town as well. And they they battled so hard to climb up the ranks those couple of years ago. So it's that nice to see them starting to slide back down as well. So hopefully they can arrest that slide next year. Um, but it's going to be a long winter for the for the hurdlers.
1: Are the nominations for the highly anticipated 2023 PwC Camogie All-Star Awards have been revealed, Kieran and leading the pack are Cork with 11 nominations and West Cork's well-represented within that
0: as well. Yeah, brilliant to see that the All-Ireland Champions have those 11 nominations and flying the West Cork flag there, we have St. Cullum's Libby Coppinger, who also won her first Camogie All-Star Last year, she's been shortlisted as well as the Coorsy Rovers duo of Fiona Keating and Saoirse McCarthy. And Saoirse was also an all-star last year. And to make it even better, Dylan, Saoirse has been shortlisted for the the, the top award, you could say, the PWC GPA Camogie Player of the Year. She's won a three-player shortlisted alongside Cork captain Amy O'Connor and Bet Carton of Waterford, who had a wonderful season as well. But Sergio McCarthy was absolute, absolutely outstanding this year. So per se, I think she's a shoe-in for an all-star, and she's a really, really good chance of taking home the, the Senior Player of the Year award as well. But this is just reward for these Cork players. They were so, so good in the business end of this competition. And we've spoken about it before in this podcast with the likes of Amy O'Connor and uh, the former Cork boss, um, Matthew Toomey to beat Kilkenny, Galway and Waterford in the quarters, semi and final was a, was a phenomenal way to, to get the O'Duffy Cup back on Lee side. So just for the record, the 11 Cork players nominated are Amy Lead goalkeeper, Amy O'Connor, Fiona Keating, Hannah Looney, Katrina Mackey, Laura Hayes, Laura Tracy, Libby Covinger, Maeve Murphy, Saoirse McCarthy, and Maeve Cahillane. And we could also claim Maeve Cahillane is West Cork, Dylan, because or fathers other than the Castle ha- Castlehaven legend, Niall Cahillan, So I think we could almost say there's four West Cork players there. And I don't think anyone would would claim us of 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 um of reaching too far to to bring a, a player into the West Cork fold. But it's just just great to see that there's such a great Cork representation on the All-Star list. And the big night is on in Croke Park on 4th of November. And that's when we'll see who bring home the All-Stars and who bring home the big award. That's
1: one for the diary. And if there is a West Cork link I'm, to any other players, I'm sure we'll find it. We're good at finding those West Cork links here in the Southern Star. We're going to take a very quick break now, but we'll be back to hear from Fintan McCarthy.
0: The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. And
1: welcome back to the Star Sport podcast. And Kieran, coming up now is your conversation with World Rowing Champion Fintan McCarthy. It's a great chat between the two of you, and he gave us some some great insight into how himself and Paulo Donovan have managed to kind of almost reinvent themselves over the last couple of years because their preparations for each of the world um, the world championships that they've won in. Has been quite different each time around.
0: That's it. Yeah. It's um, it was 12 months, I think, since we actually had Finton on the podcast. So it was great to catch up with him again. And it's it's almost for our listeners just to recognize just what Paul and Finton are doing because they're now they've now won a hat trick of world championship titles. They're two-time European champions. They're defending Olympic champions. They're the most successful Irish rowing crew of all time. And they're two Skibbereen men. They're two they two West Cork men. They're uh, two men from the same parish of Affodown. So it's incredible to think what the Skibbereen rowers have done over the last couple of years. And we—and everyone's spoken about it you now. It's not like it's a secret. Like Skibbereen is a—is almost an international middle rowing factory at this stage with the quality of athlete that is, it's turned out. But the two lads were on the front of last week's star. And when I tweeted it um, out the front page, I said enjoy them while they're here. And that really is it. It's just to enjoy what Fintan and Paul are doing right now because it's phenomenal. And reality is that nothing lasts forever. And if we're thinking about lightweight rowing, the expectation is that lightweight rowing will be cut from the Olympics after Paris in 2024. So it looks like this will be the final final swan song. That's almost a tongue twister there for Olympic rowing. So it could be their last chance to win a gold medal together. So for the next 12 months, just soak up the joy that is Paul and Fintan and even the likes of Eva Casey, who's in the, the Irish Lightweight Women's Double and coach Dominic Casey and just all of, of what these rowers have done to put skibbereen sport and West Cork sport on, on the map in, in recent years because it's quite phenomenal that, that West Cork locals are the best in the world in their chosen sport. And when you look at, at rowing, Dylan, it really is a global sport. Like all the countries involved, Yet two lads from, from Affadown are just a class apart. And they proved it again at the recent worlds. And that's why it was great to get Fintan on, just to just have a chat about their, their journey this year, which, like Dylan say, said earlier, was a lot different to, to last year when they were barely in the boat together. And it was definitely different to 2021 when they were on the boat together the whole time, as they won Olympic gold. So what these two lads have done is they're they're they've found different ways to win. And they've they've always adapted and they've always made it work. And that's why they have three world titles to their to their name. And that's why they are the best in the world at what they do. And that's why they will be favorites for gold at next year's Olympics. Um Fintan was in good form here. He was just back from Belgrade. Um like I said it was a good chance to catch up with him. And what I find really what I found really interesting from this chat that you're about to hear now is when he gave us a bit of insight into almost himself and Paul's mindset in the boat because it's well well known by now. You don't have to be a, a rowing nerd to, under, to, to understand or to know that the two lads don't set off at, at the fastest pace. They're always from fifth or sixth after 500, and they always kind of work their, their way into race, but they always come good at the end with an incredible surge. And I just asked Finton about that. I said, how confident are you that you're always going to come through with the second half of the race? And I just found his, his answer really, really interesting, as well as when he broke down the recent world final as well, and, and what the Swiss did there and how they had to adapt. So sit back, enjoy um this chat with with Finta McCarthy, one of the greatest athletes that West Cork has produced, and um and a and a man who set for a huge 12 months in the run-up to Paris next summer. Linton, I was looking at your Instagram there not too long ago and you put up a post after the words and you said third time is a charm. So your third time being crowned World Champion. How did this compare to the previous two in 2019 and
2: 2022? Um, I'd think they're all different, to be honest. Like this one, um, I guess we we didn't spend much time together at all. Last year, and then the first time was our first year in the boat, so it's all, um, yeah, each year has been kind of different, but this one was, um, yeah, no, this one's really special. You know, we kind of knuckled down like quite hard after Lucerne, obviously, because we were only back together a short time and uh got beaten by the French. So I think, um, yeah, no, we just had a really kind of focused camp and two weeks training before camp and then we knew we were in good shape coming to the world so it was nice to yeah show our stuff again I think.
0: Take me back actually to World Cup 3 because that was like, you, you mentioned there the French beat you nine of a second like it's just you were so so close to, to winning gold in, in, in that in, in that regatta that was your first defeat together in four years since 2019 and I think everyone kind of turned their head and said oh what's what's going on here but the important context was yourself and Paul had you even been in the boat together for the last nine months before that like what's the what was your your I suppose your training life before you went into do yeah
2: no we did have a few weeks together um, but I think um, it was just it's just been a different season for us both obviously Paul had his final year in college and um it wasn't it it hadn't been a bad season for me but definitely not my best you know I think um just going off training times and how I was feeling and stuff I don't think I was really uh firing on all cylinders until um I actually took a bit of a break after return and then we got back into training and then that's when I started feeling like kind of my old self I know it sounds funny but um yeah no it started feeling really good after that and the double started kind of clicking again um we had a few we had a few kind of really tough weeks in in spain and then that last week it was just kind of coming together really well so i think yeah there was it was a it's been a challenging season really like like i said different to different to previous ones so I think that's good you know we're always um, it's always exciting to like overcome new challenges and um sure it'd be boring if it was the same every year so
0: you're going to think that all I do is watch your Instagram right but after after a <laughs> retreat in Lucerne you put up a, a post the fire is lit or something along along that lines like finishing second to the French what was your feeling after after you still brought home a silver medal but Yourself and Paul, you're you are the best in the world. You're so used to winning gold. Was it almost? This was a shock to the system. with the wrong word, but what was that like to, to finish second in a race?
2: Yeah, um, it, like it. Obviously, you know you go into every race wanting to win. So I think initially, I was not. I was just a bit obviously disappointed that we'd lost. And you, when it's that close as well, it's it is um. You know, sometimes it's just down to the surge of the stroke and and where you're, you know, who's on, who's actually taking the stroke as as you cross the line. But I think it was, it's funny because the same thing happened to us in twenty nineteen, where in the last World Cup before the before the World Champs, we were just pipped to the line by the Germans that year as well. I know that was our first year together, but um, there's just been a few things like that this year where I feel like. I don't know, history is kind of repeating itself in a way. Um, and it's it's happened a few times just in life in general as well. So I think um, it was obviously not, not a fun experience being beaten, but I did, like, I do think it was, it was good for us to look back on uh, where we could improve. And it's kind of easy to... It's easy to say like, oh, we'll just do more training and get fitter and, you know, win again then. But I think even though we hadn't been together very long, we probably were fit enough to have won that race. So I think it was good that we didn't just go, oh, we'll we'll just do more training and and hopefully that'll get us there. Like we, well, we really kind of looked into how we were rowing and how we were racing and um, tried to make those changes over the over the last camp then coming into the world champs so i think i don't know would we have done that if we had lost or if we'd won so yeah i guess that was a again something different and in the end i think it did actually stand to us and also we learned a lot for next year as well
0: you were saying there that you took a couple of days off after lucerne was that you weren't feeling the best version of yourself could you put your finger on what exactly that was this year that you weren't, weren't hitting those targets that you'd set yourself. Um,
2: not really. I think that's just sometimes the way it goes. You know, there is like obviously lulls in like motivation and health and stuff, but nothing serious. You know, just not probably operating at you know ninety eight, ninety seven percent instead of a hundred and one and that, like, if, if you want to be winning all the time, then you kind of do need to be close enough to that 100%, I think. So I think that was that was it, really. But, um, yeah, thank God it didn't, didn't work out well in the end.
0: It, it definitely worked out well, and you were definitely at 101% in, in Belgrade last week. Talk me through the regatta, from from the heat through to the quarters, to the obviously the semi-final was crucial in terms of what for qualification, but did you just feel good, good into belgrade
2: yeah really good i think we had a tough camp and if you actually compare it to some of the training we've done the past years it was it's really been up there in terms of like volume and speed as well with some of our best years so from that we kind of had a good idea of how fit and how fast we were so then obviously that gives you another boost going into the going to the world so our first race went really well too it just felt nice we um felt controlled and I think we got quite a good time in the heat compared to the rest because that was kind of the only race really where there wasn't sort of a strong kind of headwind condition so we got a quite a quick time I think I think another heat went faster with us with the Swiss in it so so we kind of had our eye on them from the start of the regatta really and then it was kind of just about getting through the rounds we had the italians in the quarterfinal who were always up there you know they've won i think they've won a silver medal at the world's behind us every year since 2019 so it was nice to kind of race them early um i think they have a new a new man in the boat this year as well so um it was good to kind of get a gauge of them because we had not actually raced them this season yet um uh, and we were ahead of them. That was kind of a tough race for me. I don't know. I must have messed up the warm-up or something, but I was I was really tired after that one. And we had the semi um the next day. And after the quarters, obviously there was, you know, some receding of the lanes. So luckily we'd kind of gone fast as fast in the early round. So we were getting that that inside line, which was supposedly a bit um better in terms of conditions. So we were sort of just racing the crew next to us on that side for the spots and then, yeah, we managed to qualify the boat for Paris in the semi um, and then went on to the final. We
0: talked about Olympic qualification, then AB a, semi-final, so just for the listeners, the top seven boats in the men's and women's lightweight double they qualified the boats for the for the Paris Games next summer, and it's the athletes that are confirmed closer to the time. But how important is it to get the board qualified now instead of, like, the, the lightweight women's double back in 2021, they did it in the final qualification regatta. But what difference does it make now, Finton? Does it just, does it almost shape what the winter next year is going to look like, knowing that the board is already going to Paris?
2: Yeah, I think um just in terms of uh the plan for next year, it, it does make things a bit simpler in terms of just making sure we time our training so that we're going to be the fastest versions of ourselves in Paris. Whereas, you know, if you, if you don't qualify at this point, there is another chance next May, but you're, you got to make sure you're going really quick then so that you get in. And then the Olympics is only a month and a half or a couple of months after that. So it's, 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 it just makes things a bit more complicated in terms of timing, like peak and recovery and training load and and stuff like that. So it's a big relief to get it done, kind of this end of the this end of the year. So we can just have a, a full run up to run up to Paris and make sure, you know, we're not having to peak once or twice more during the during the season.
0: And what is the kind of feeling for yourself and Paul like? You, you crossed the finish line. You won the semi-final. You knew the boat was qualified, but on the outside looking in, there's this expectation by from us. Of course, Finton are going to get the boat there. So for you, is it is it is it joy? Is it relief? Is it box tick job done? Let's move on. Or what's it like for you? Yeah, I think I don't think
2: I really thought about it till after because you know it is the World Championships, and obviously we are we were aiming to win the, the world so getting through the semi is a prerequisite to having a race in the final and winning the world so in that sense it yeah it was another just step along the way but you know it's you're, you're still qualifying a, a bow for the olympics it's not something that many people get to do ever so i think in retrospect that one is it's funny because it, I think during the regatta, it's just a semi-final. You know, we've done a hundred or not, probably not a hundred, but, you know, we've done many a semi-final and it was not really much different from any of those except for what was attached to it. So I think um, looking back, yeah, that was a, it was, it was great to kind of get it done there and have a full focus on the final and then full focus for next year as well.
0: And looking at, looking at that final, so tactics-wise, what was your thinking going into, going, going into the final? The Swiss were there, Swiss had a, had a, the Swiss doubles had a super year, the Italians were there, like you said, they've always kind of, kind of ran you close. So what was the, can you let us in, peek behind the curtains, what were your, your tactics going into the, into the final, Finton?
2: Um Well, we kind of, you'd have a bit of an idea of everyone's sort of race profiles. You know, like everyone knows we, we, don't go off too quickly and then sort of try and build speed through the race and come through by by the end but um yeah you'd have sort of a a clue just from racing over the years and racing during the regatta of um how people pace the race and what people are going to do so um I was actually quite surprised we were so far in the pack in the first 500 usually you know we'd be a bit behind and then catch up but it played out a little bit differently this time because we were all sort of close enough with the five hundred and then the Swiss really pushed away in the in the second quarter of the race. Um, which, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily expect it to happen there, but I knew they would be probably as far ahead of us as they were at some point in that first game. But I just maybe expected it to happen a bit earlier, whereas they seemed to wait wait a bit and then go um which you know it's it was probably good because it's something we haven't really um experienced like too much of in the last couple of years so um yeah it was good to kind of have that happen and still know that we can that we could reel them in and kind of draw level enough by the 1500 and then push on through the last 500 as you know as usual so um yeah that's kind of how the the final played out i i think that as well saying all that it's in it's in retrospect as well so it's during the race i'm definitely not thinking oh that's that's strange that they're gone in the second (laughs) but um i think during it it's you can't really control what anyone else is doing so you just gotta stay stay internal really and and trust the plan and trust our fitness and and speed and I did really believe that we were going to come through no matter what. So I just kind of s- kept following Paul and, you know, pushing the legs as <laughs> hard as I could. And um, yeah, it all, it all worked out in the end.
0: How confident are yourself and Paul that you will come through in the second half of, of a race? Like you said there, the Swiss went in the second 500 this time. You've seen over the last couple of years, different crews got off early, trying, trying to build that that gap over you to get ahead of you. But it's just inevitable that this Irish Dublin is going to come true and eventually touch hit Touchwood, yeah, touch exactly. touch wood. <laughs> but What does that come? To, what does that come down to? Why do you think that, that the race is unfold like that? What do you have that allows you to do that in a race?
2: Um, I I don't know. I think we you know we do we do pay really close attention to training and what we're getting out of training. So I think we we are always very fit going into that last competition of the year, but as well, um, it could be like a confidence thing. You know, I think we're confident enough to just sit there, uh, try not to waste too much energy at the start. And then, um, you know, empty the tank sort of in this, in the second half of the race, because it's all well and good to be leading to 1900 meters, but it's, it's crossing the line where you want to be ahead. So I think um, some crews might get like a psychological edge from being ahead at a certain part of the race or something. But I think maybe because we don't spend too much time thinking about that or paying attention to who's ahead of us, um, it, it kind of makes the first bit of the race a bit more relaxed so that we can really make sure that we're coming through and and getting the most out of ourselves, kind of over the whole race, rather than uh going too
0: hard and and uh, dying. You mentioned Beniordis a couple of times. Take us back to the pain of Spain. What was that <laughs> training camp like before the Worlds? Like was it a was it one of the toughest ones you put down? And what does the training camp in Beniordis looks like before Worlds?
2: Um yeah no the training was really good. Uh, it's funny when you're in that kind of zone or mode or whatever it's it's actually a bit easier because you know your your food's made for you you only have to walk down or cycle down to the boat um you're getting like nine hours of sleep a night um so it's actually easy to push yourself hard in training um so it, it yeah while it is tough it's not like you know sometimes you're at home and you'd be wrecked because you're running to the shop in between sessions or um you know staying up to watch something um so yeah it it does make the training a lot easier but you can also you know push yourself a bit more and go a bit further and and all that so um in terms of like other years i think we it was just very consistent like we didn't have any like super superhero weeks but they were um three really consistent weeks where we were just getting the work done day after day after day and I think that really stood to us as well we had a couple of weeks at home before we left um as well which were really solid so I think um yeah I would say consistency was probably the theme Mm -hmm. of of this year's camp.
0: It's a lovely segue to my next question: consistency of training, consistency of yourself and Paul winning gold medals is incredible. Are you aware of what you're doing right now? You're the most successful Irish rowing crew of all time. I I would safely guess right now, given your Olympic gold, three Worlds, Jesus Europeans, World Cup, you 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 name it, you've won it. Like, are you living in the moment, or can you ever step outside Finton and say, Jesus, what we're doing here is just off the charts in terms of? <laughs> What's gone before and I was showing
2: No, I don't think, I don't think we like do it for any of that, or think about it really. I I definitely don't. Anyway, like we're just kind of going through the process, and it it's fun. Like you know, we're with our we're with our friends, we're going really fast, which is kind of everything I've ever wanted. Anyway, so it's just great to be in it and and doing it. So.
0: And you're you're obviously taking it in your stride because behind you off a picture does a gold medal hanging which which gold <laughs> which gold medal it's not it? mine, it's not mine. Oh, that, it's, it, it's, it's just isn't... so you just have <laughs> a gold medals hanging out the house in Bellanconic, is it? It's it's a chapter one actually. Oh yes. Uh, I, I, I was trying to work out which medal it was, so kind of just chat. Yeah, yeah,
2: one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was really eaten at some point.
0: But... What's what does the winter look like now? World championships are done. That's the heavy lifting of the of this year done. Do you get time off? What does it look like, or what's the next couple of weeks gonna gonna shape out like?
2: Yeah, no, I think we'll have a bit of time away from sort of like structured training. Anyway, might do do a bit just to keep fit, and then probably look at a plan of the year with Dominic and and go from there in terms of um you know targeting certain regattas and working out what the preparation for Paris is going to look like it's a, it's always kind of a bit earlier in the year so um you know some camps are on at different times and you do different training blocks a bit later earlier and stuff like that so it's all yeah it's pretty interesting and um I really like that part of it as well so um looking forward to it to be honest yeah
0: you love the planning don't you
2: yeah you know you know me well I love love a plan
0: and uh, I, I think what's great here too, Finton, is it was such a good work chance for the lightweight group in uh, in total. Um the Mag Sendy for qualifying the Irish Women's Lightweight double for the yeah. Paris. Absolutely brilliant. Um Siobhan in the lightweight uh, single winning gold. Jake back in the international scene for the first time in a while. Great to see him back. Yeah. So what's the mood like in, in the in the in the lighties right now?
2: Good, yeah. No, I think. Big relief that we're both qualified now and can just focus on um, focus on getting get getting to Paris in the best shape possible really you know I think obviously the girls would have wanted a bit more from the from the regatta but they're just uh, yeah you know they're on fire so I think uh, yeah next year is going to be
0: good When you've seven Irish boats are really qualified for the Olympics. It's it's incredible, isn't it? Like it's just I know Paris is what 10, 11 months away still. It's a good distance away. But to have that many Irish boats now going, it's just it just shows the great work going on inside Northern Ireland at the moment.
2: Yeah, no, it's great. That's great to see as well. Um, you know, there are obviously hard days, so it's just good to see um, you know, your friends getting what Getting what they want out of it, and um, yeah, I can't wait to all be there together in Paris and racing for medals.
0: And like I said earlier, it's the board that qualifies, and the athletes will be kind of confirmed closer. But will you allow yourself get excited, kind of to start the, the mind drifting towards Paris? Now, or how do you approach the next winter training block and and so on?
2: Yeah, no, I I am excited because. Um, yeah, it's another Olympic year. I know the last one was only a couple of years ago, but um I think it'll be great to just take the lessons from that one, see if we can get a bit better next year, even and just get to Paris as as the fastest version ever of, of ourselves and whether it's you know, whoever's in the bowl, I think. It's going to be obviously really fast. So just trying to extract every bit of potential out of ourselves in the next eleven or ten months or however long this is going to be, um, yeah, just another challenge. And yeah, we lo- I think we we love the challenges. So keep them coming.
0: Final question, and it's finished. And a nice easy one for you, Fintan. You just mentioned there about getting to Paris as the fastest fastest version of yourselves. Is, is that almost a a process then of taking different bits of the last couple of years go back to 2021 yourself and Paul are in the boat all year long together and it what you achieved 2022 barely in the boat together still won european gold still won world gold this year before like between world cup three and the Worlds, you got that training camp time in the boat together and you won so is it taking bits out of every year or how how does that work
2: yeah no i think you i think that'll be it really just kind of thinking about what's worked over the past even you know even before Tokyo what's what's worked for us and um, tweaking obviously you can't um, just repeat what you've done before and I, I don't think we've ever done that like totally but it it is good to see what's worked maybe see if we can get those things a bit better and toss out what maybe hasn't worked as well so I think yeah, the next few weeks probably will be about looking at looking over that and then seeing seeing where where to where to start really.
0: Brilliant exciting times ahead and no doubt that, that chocolate medal will be eaten in your in your downtime <laughs> weeks ahead. So cheers yeah. to titles, Clinton. No worries. Thanks for that, Aaron. The Star Sport podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over fifty years.
1: Welcome back to the Star Sport podcast and Kieran now is the time of the week where you give our listeners and viewers a sneak preview of what's coming up in this
0: week's Southern Star Sport. So it goes for granted that the hurling action last weekend both at Carbery level mid Cork and county level that's all covered comprehensively in Torres' Southern Star. We also have a load of previews ahead of the the football weekend whether it's Orhan in Premier Junior football quarterfinal action, um Adrigal are also in county quarterfinal action this weekend. And I caught up with their manager, Tim Sullivan. And just a very interesting line from that is that their, their SNC coach Mark Power is also the SNC coach for the all ireland winning Dublin football team. So if that's a if that's a, a lucky sign looking at the Dubs did this year, hopefully Adrigal can get a bit of silverware and into their cupboard as well but we have Haven in Derby Violent Rovers, we've kind of Bantry Blues and so on. Huge game, huge weekend for local football teams and we have that covered in depth. Also have a very interesting piece on the Castlehaven team that won the 1973 Carbery Junior A Football Championship. They held a reunion in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen recently. Tom Lyons went to along, So we have a, a nice piece on that and just one uh, to watch out for in the weeks ahead. We also have an interview with Christy Collins, the Castlehaven legend on that 1973 Castlehaven team as well. So that'll be in the star in the weeks ahead. The Camogie Championship is going on to the quarterfinals. Coursey Rovers will be in action there. We have news on that and as well in the, the Cork Ladies Football Championships. And one of our feature games this week is the Clannacilties win against Kinsale in Group 1 of the Ladies Senior Football Championship. A win that puts Clannaciltie in the frame to get through to the semi-finals of the, the A Championship they're in action again this weekend. Skipping quickly to soccer, our future West Cork League game was Skibereen had a, a resounding 3-0 win away against Dunmanway Town. So that's well worth checking out. And since we were speaking about that we're always looking for that West Cork link to, to anyone, basically, any sports story with a West Cork link, if you hear one, please get in contact with us. Email sport at southernstar.e, or you can get us on Twitter as well. But we also just have the... The link between Lee Carsley and Dunmenway. Lee Carsley is favoured to succeed Stephen Kinney when the guillotine will eventually drop, which we presume will be at some stage soon. It's like a state of execution for Stephen Kinney. And if it is Lee Carsley, it's true, his Dunmenway connections that he actually represented Ireland 40 times. So we explained that connection in Thursday's Southern Star. We also have Jack Watch, which is our, our weekly. Weekly look at Jack Crowley, the, the first West Cork man to play at the Rugby World Cup. He didn't feature in the win against Tonga last weekend. Ross Byrne was given his chance, but the hope and our expectation is that, that Crowley will be back in the bench for a huge game against the Springboks this Saturday. And we've local rugby in there and so much more as well. And also another link before you let us go, Dylan, another link to West Cork. Mark Power, the Kilkenny golfer who turned pro recently, And he finished tied 33rd at the recent Irish Open. We um, bring back his link to West Cork again because his mother is none other other than Eileen Rose MacDade from Skibbereen, who was one of the top women's Irish golfers in the early 1990s. She won the Irish Close Championship, I think it was three times. She was on a winning Curtis Cup team. And she also had the chance to turn pro, but she turned it down. But her son, Mark, has now gone pro. But no wonder he's doing so well with those skipperine and West Cork golfing jeans. So as you can see, there's a hell of a lot in Thursday, Southern Star as usual.
1: As usual, indeed. And as always, if you're further afield, can't make to the shops, you can subscribe to the Southern Star and get it on your laptop, tablet or phone. Just head to subscribe.southernstar.ie, enter your details, and you'll get an exact replica of the newspaper alongside full access to all the articles on our website for less than €2 per week. And as always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union. If you enjoyed this, please remember to rate, review and
0: subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.